Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio. Your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Now, along with the guys from Fanball.com, here's the host for Fantasy Football Weekly, Paul Charchian. It is time for America's longest-running fantasy football show, Fantasy Football Weekly. I am your host, Paul Charchian from Fanball.com. My cohorts today are Christian Peterson and Brian Johnson. Hello, guys. Hey, Charch. What is up, Charch? Uh, well, yeah, talking football. It's that we're really in the heart of draft season now, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's game on. You know, this is probably eighty percent of the drafts will be the next two weekends. The next two right? weekends, yep. you know, this weekend, next weekend will be the vast majority of drafts. So we're right in the thick of everything. And over the course of this show, we're going to help you figure out which teammates are the right ones to draft. A lot of times, there are two teammates at the same position that you could draft. For example, would you rather have Mike Evans in the second round or Chris Godwin? one in the fourth round will help you decide which guy to draft in a shared uh, in a shared situation like that. Also, you're about to execute your first draft of the year. We've executed dozens of drafts already, and there are always these guys that you look back and go, well, I never ended up with him. Never ended up with him. Did 12 drafts. Haven't ended up with that guy. A lot of times, it's not even that you, it's that you don't. It's not even that you hate that guy, but you don't end up with them. We'll tell you which players we've blacklisted from existence, jettisoned into a black hole of fantasy disinterest. Then we'll talk about the highlights from the preseason action from this week. We'll answer some tough questions. You get to play along with those tough questions. We'll reveal our latest round of sleepers, and we'll talk about the freaky upside that comes with rushing quarterbacks and who you could potentially target in your draft if you want to take on the risk that comes with them. It's a little early for uh, freaky sound effects. It's not Halloween time quite yet. No. That would have worked well for the freaky, the freaky up. I don't have any. I don't have any freaky sound effects here. Um, yeah, I've got. Uh, yeah, that, that I've got a freaky. I've got a vulture. I've got a sad trombone. Oh, uh, Mitch, I've how's got, it going, Mitch? Yeah, I've got. The, I got a happy trombone. Do you have the air horn? No. Mer, 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 mer. No. No. Don't air horn. I don't know where the air horn. We had an air horn at one point. Hmm. Yeah. I think, but It'd be no, a good addition. No. You got you got Drew Peacock in there though, don't you? We no no Drew Peacock. But man, do we miss Drew Peacock. Drew Peacock. Please come back to the NFL, Drew Peacock. Uh, let's <laughs> begin with this potential impending signing of Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe even depending on when you're listening to this, he has already signed. 
it if you believe the media reports, it looks like a signing may be imminent. So let's start here. Assuming he is signed when people go to their draft, where does he slot in as a signed player for the Cowboys? I mean, I think he's just he's right back where he would have been, which is within the top three or four picks in the entire draft. Be more specific. Where do you want him in the top four? And I agree. Well, I think I, every, I think most people would. I would take him third. I would take Saquon and McCaffrey ahead of him, but I, but I would have before all along. Okay. Yeah. So Ryan, so no, nothing has that? changed for me about about Elliot. I was a uh, CMC and Kamara top two. I was Zeke three mm-hmm. before all this madness, but uh, I got to keep him at the tail end now. Of the four, I'd, I'd take Barkley over uh, Zeke. But and I was taking David Johnson before Zeke. I'm mm, still on the fence a little bit, but no, I guess if he signed today or tomorrow or very soon, I would put him at number four. All right. So what about people that are in limbo? Let's say he hasn't. Zeke hasn't signed yet, but they're working on the same information we are right now uh, as we record this, which it appears that they're you know he's close to a signing. Let's just say all these reports are coming from like very biased cowboy accounts, and I won't name names, but they they bleed they bleed silver and blue or whatever the the colors <laughs> they call in Dallas. I mean, well, this is what they want to happen. Say they're not connected to the Cowboys, and they would know. I don't know. It's it's wishful thinking. Reg- that. Well, regard well. So, okay. you're, are, so are you saying then that you wouldn't believe it? And I you're think not, it's a coin flip now for whatever it's worth. Okay, so where would you take him? Well, as, again, a, still, as a skeptic, well, oh, right now, right, yeah, right based now, on the knowledge. Yeah. Oh, I don't based take him. I don't take him. At all. No. There's no scenario. Eighth round, he's available. You're not taking Zeke. No no realistic scenario. He's going late first now. I'm seeing him fall to, but high stakes. Give me the round where you're taking taking Zeke. If he's unsigned, and all you have to go on is media reports of optimism, which you obviously don't don't care about. uh, Third. Third round. I would go second. I think early second. I don't. I don't think I would. I would use my late first rounder if I don't know one hundred percent that he's going to be there. But uh, by the by the second round, you know the the risk is worth it. What is it? What does this do about Tony Pollard? Pollard's look good. Has Pollard shown enough that he's worked his way into a rotation, the likes of which we've never seen with Ezekiel Elliott? He's never shared meaningful carries, but he's also never had a competent backup either. Do you think Tony Pollard has looked good enough that he will eat into a significant number of carries and touches? I don't mean 50-50, but more like 70-30, which Zeke's never had to put up with in the past. He'll factor on third down when Zeke's back. Whenever Zeke comes back, he's a better receiver than Zeke. Zeke's a great receiver, too. He's a good receiver. Tony Pollard excels receiving the football. I mean, catching the football. And uh, he's shown that he can run as well. I I see 20% touches going to Pollard with Zeke in full tilt, so... That's my opinion. Yeah, I think that's fair too. I think Pollard has has shown enough this preseason to warrant uh, being being in the lineup more right. freely. Yeah. So Pollard, even even if Zeke is drafted, is Pollard more than just a handcuff? So let's say Brian drafts Zeke, Christian, are you are you drafting Pollard? Are you drafting Pollard at any point in time if Zeke is signed and he's on another team and he, so he's not he's not even your handcuff? No, I, I don't think he's getting enough. Uh, I don't think he'll get enough playing time, enough touches to be considered a, a standalone valuable fantasy player. So the only yeah, the only way that I would take him is if I also have Zeke. On Thursday night, Cam Newton got uh, knocked out of the game. Uh, Friday, he's wearing a walking boot. The team, at least as of this recording, is not giving us any firm information about this this either 
foot or ankle injury. Now, in 2014, he had surgery on the foot. So this is not the first time that that this foot has been an issue for him. What Again, if... If the team comes out and gives definitive information, then listeners probably know that already. But given that we they, the team may very well be coy about this, and we don't know what we've got in Cam, what do you do right now about Cam Newton and potentially drafting him? And I'm going to the Cam Newton yeah. desk, Christian Peterson. No bigger a, a fa- apologist for the fantasy value of Cam Newton than you. What would you do? Yeah, this one hurts. I mean, there, there have been preliminary reports that it's not as serious as maybe it looked last night and that he could be back. Sorry, he could be back as soon as week one. Yeah. We, we still don't know for sure. Uh, but in my mind, the biggest issue is that this is a foot injury. They're talking about a midfoot sprain kind of deal. Yeah. And as we know, Cam Newton derives a lot of his fantasy value from his ability to run. For sure. And a sprain, you know, something like that, especially if they're going to rush him back maybe mm-hmm. for week one. Mm-hmm. I don't like the sound of that if he's not going to be able to run as much as he usually does or if this thing just lingers all year long, if it just never gets right. Which could be the case. Yeah. So I, I, there's, I don't think there's any choice but to knock him down a couple of rungs on your on your cheat sheet. I wouldn't go crazy and like put him, put him in the black, uh, on your blacklist, on your vortex of a vortex whatever you of call fantasy it. irrelevancy yes, yes. Uh, but i but i would knock him down a spot or two so if if this foot injury really does take the wheels off cam newton and all your most you know for the most part all you're going to get are his passing numbers you've got quarterback 25 on your roster that's probably about right you know you're you're looking at a sam darnold ish you know frankly donald's passing might be better this although, season although i will say if 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 the injury is to that point i i don't mm-hmm. think the panthers would would trot him out there if he couldn't do some of the things that make him such a good player you well, know what i mean but what, like, what are you going to go with will greer or you know kyle yeah, allen that's true. I think they'll they'll put the best passer they have on the field, don't you think? I do. I think they would anyway. Well, that'll hopefully still be Cam. The shoulder's much better than it's been in the past. And, uh, Correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm very sad. We'll talk more about um, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Yeah, this, uh, it's, it's, oh. yeah it, it, this is potentially tricky on them, obviously, if, if, if he's not going to play, if Cam's not in those guys. His mobility opens up things for them, obviously. Oh, sure. Yeah, Extends so, yeah. plays. Yeah. Sure, plenty of things. Yep. All right, let's look at some of the, uh, the preseason games with some notable events, beginning with the Giants and the Bengals. This is Brian Johnson's previous favorite team and now his current favorite team playing each other in a heated preseason duel. Oh, yeah. Clearly a uh, potential Super Bowl preview as well. Giants-Bengals. I got my money on that. Uh, Vegas. No, uh, sorry with the Giants side. Eli didn't fully implode. Looked sort of sharp. He will be your week one starter and beyond. And before we mention Daniel Jones, Eli ran a lead block on a play for Wayne Gallard. Ran about 32 yards on it. Um, not with the ball, of course. That was impressive considering 32 yards is what he averages rushing over his career every year. He's 32 <laughs> yards. Never been much of a helper there, Eli. Hey, speaking, speaking, speaking of which, um, who is, you know, for those people that want to handcuff Barkley, is it Gallman or Perkins? Ugh. Or just neither? Just, a, just, just you don't think do they're it. Both, just don't, don't do, do it. it. Just don't do don't, it, period. Don't do it. Okay, all right. That's going to be a case where... It, 
You're, Hopefully you're, doesn't you're happen. screwed anyway if yeah. you lose Barkley. Yeah. Whoever steps in for Barkley is going to have It's not going to be anything like Barkley. It's a waste of fab. Don't even go there if that comes to it. If it <laughs> okay. comes to that. Um, did, did Daniel Jones, though, came in after Eli. He looked very good again. Uh, 9 for 11, 141 yards. Took a big hit. Got back up. Dropped a dime to the one-yard line. But mm-hmm. he's played against the reserves all preseason long. People are... Uh, he looks good. Well, not but, all uh, preseason. You know, week one, he... Well, it, he... he he started the game in week one, but he was also playing against reserve. So I guess you're right. But uh, he will usurp Eli at some point. Just a, a guy to keep your eye on in dynasty and superflex formats. Definitely not one quarterback leagues this year. Uh, the only other giant worth mentioning was Evan Ingram, who caught his lone target for nine yards. But outside of that, there was no Barkley, no Golden Tate, no Sterling Shepard. Still, he's injured. Should be ready for week one. We shall see. But um, he's that, going off the board practically free. Yeah, it's a, he's. If you got a spot to burn, yeah, that's he's, a, he's good a good way to yeah, go. Definitely, yeah. he'll be a factor when he when he's healthy. For, um, sure. for Cincy, no Joe Mixon, no Tyler Eifert. Andy Dalton did look sharp, went 7 for 10 for 104 yards, threw a beautiful 28-yard touchdown to my boy, the Uzi, CG, CJ Uzoma, mm-hmm. who also had another catch of 25-plus yards, which was impressive. So if Eifert gets hurt, Uzoma is uh, going to be a factor again in the tight end wasteland. You yeah. mean when Eifert gets hurt? Yeah, yeah. when well, Eifert gets too. hurt. Yeah. And... Uh, of course, no A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd only played a couple series. Mm-hmm. One guy to keep your eye on is Damian Willis, wide receiver, who had three catches for 55 yards and a touchdown because John Ross is not good, who currently is slated as the other starting wide receiver. Yeah. This Damian Willis Vulnerable for sure. could become a factor, and so could rookie running back Rodney Anderson from UCLA, who was a first-round yeah. pick. Yeah, first he looked pick, good. Blew out his knee in the first game for UCLA. Yeah. Dropped to late third day in the draft, but mm-hmm. he looked really good. And people always say Gio Bernard would be the backup if something happened to Mixon. But Bernard's kind of in that Daryl Henderson third down role to me. Yeah. Rodney Anderson is the handcuff yeah, for he Joe could be, Mixon. Yeah, you're right. So, he could be your first two down guy if something did happen to Mixon. Yep. So something if you're going to handcuff Mixon, it's not Gio. It is Anderson. And that's right. it for this game. Let's go to Baltimore and Philadelphia. Uh, that's Brian. Oh as no, well. sorry, I'm wrong. Washington and sorry, yeah, Brian, there we go. Washington and Atlanta. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, not a lot to talk about in this game. On the Washington side, the debut, the 2019 debut of Darius Geis. Yeah. So that's exciting. First time on the on the field in game action since he blew out his ACL last preseason, and he was very involved. He got four touches on the very mm-hmm. first drive, 11 touches overall, and did okay with it. 44 yeah. yards. So that looked all right. Really, just nice to see him back on the field. He looked like an explosive player, just like we thought we were getting last year before the injury. Of course, his fantasy situation is still pretty clouded with Adrian Peterson there and Chris yeah. Thompson there, but again, good to see Geis back on the field. Not so good news for Jordan Reed. Removed from the game in the concussion protocol. This is, I believe, his seventh concussion uh, of his career. Anyone and could be his last. And that's on top of all sorts of other injuries. You know, everybody, you know, beat writers, people were liking what they saw out of Jordan Reed yeah. in the preseason and in training camp, and he was looking like maybe one of their only legitimate receivers. Mm-hmm. And now, probably not so much. So, bad news for Jordan Reed. Uh, Case Keenum was bad. Dwayne Haskins was maybe even worse. This is, this is bad. This, is, they, this they could have be the no, NFL's they, worst offense. They have no wide receivers. Their top no. receivers did 
didn't even play in this one. Josh Doxson might be traded or cut. It's a Their passing game is a total disaster. On the Atlanta side, not really a lot to talk about here. Matt Ryan did start and played a little bit, but Julio Jones didn't play. Devonta Freeman just played one series. He did give way to Edo Smith, who has now established himself as the backup that you want there. Right. Smith played 17 snaps, had five carries, and a touchdown. That is all that is worth talking about in this game. Okay, Carolina took on New England. We already talked about the only really salient part of Carolina, the Cam Newton injury here. Uh, if he can't go, Kyle Allen, expected replacement. Uh, and let's hope it doesn't come to that in week one or beyond. On the New England side, there were a variety of things to talk about. Sony Michelle yeah. looking fast and elusive, much more so than last year. Remember last year, came off of injury, was injured throughout that season, and looked like he didn't look anything like the guy we saw. Georgia, he looked plodding and slow. Yeah, not so much here. I thought he looked really good. The box score won't show some of his best plays that came back in penalty as well, so don't just look at the box score on Sonny Michel. Trust me that he looked good. It's still a very convoluted and deep backfield, but he looks like the best player in it. Ben Watson got some first-team reps, and he's got a little sneaker tight, sneaky tight end to him. Uh, Philip Dorsett got a long look, including starting the game, but with Josh Gordon's return coming, I don't think he's going to hold that job as a starter, and I'll note that Julian Edelman still not playing. Don't forget Ben Watson suspended though first four games. Oh, great of the point. Yeah, thank you, thank but, you. But after that, certainly going to be viable. Yeah, Pre- uh, preseason have... darling Jacoby Myers had another big game yeah. for the Patriots as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, although he did, he got some looks from Tom Brady and was zero for three on the targets from Brady. And Brady was seen sort of <laughs> right. berating him on the sidelines <laughs> a little bit. So uh, Myers has been a guy maybe worth looking at in dynasty format, but probably too far down the depth chart for others. The much anticipated Baltimore Philadelphia game now. Let's get to that one. <laughs> this one will be much quicker. Uh, Wentz did not play for Philly. Has an all preseason, but he should be ready to go week one. He will be ready to go, yeah. or, or so they say. Uh, Zacharis caught a pass for 13 yards, uh, but this game was all about J.J. Ortega. Whiteside. Yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. Jaws. We're just going to call him Jaws here. It's way easier. Uh, yeah. Eight catches, 104 yards, including a nice grab in the corner of the end zone. Looks a little Andre Johnson-ish. Mm-hmm. Easily a fair comp to Mike Williams in L.A. He's uh, <laughs> it's he, like he's he looks good. fantastic. He's he looks really great. good. Dynasty sky's the limit. Redraft, it's a lot. Of, there's a lot of targets to be shared in Philly. And, but, and uh, so that's the thing. Yeah, well, actually, we're going to talk about it later in the show. But you know, that's one of the things I like about Carson Wentz is you, you don't have to guess which re, which yeah. is now suddenly plethora of quality re, target mm-hmm. options is going to be the guy in any given week. Yep, uh, that's it for Philly. Baltimore, not a lot here. Lamar Jackson did not play. Kind of a bummer. Not a lot of players didn't play in these week preseason. In week three used They're to be the bonanza play. of all the starters. It's not. The, it's not, not the same. Not anymore. No. Uh, Mark Ingham didn't play either, and uh, rising rookie Justin Hill did not wow in this one. Only 16 combo yards on nine touches. The only thing really worth mentioning is um, Miles Boykin did make his first appearance of the preseason. He was a first round pick, second round pick, second, second round pick. Uh, caught, he, he did what he was drafted to do. Had one catch for 44 yards on two targets. So he's going to be a deep threat for uh, L. Jax this year. Third round pick, Miles Boykin. Uh, all right, you. let's go to. Green Bay and Oakland. Oof, what a disaster <laughs> this game was. Uh, there's, just there's just a total disaster to on, on no every starters level. Played. They yeah. had, they're playing an 80-yard field. Yeah, so they, oh played, they played in Canada, and in Can- on Canadian Football League fields, the uprights are in the middle of the end zones. So they tried to remove those, but then the field was just a mess in the end zone, so they had to shorten it, and the 10-yard line became the end zone. <laughs> and when that happened, Green Bay said, well, we're going to bench our 33 best players. Yes. Ugh. 
what Unbelievable. A, what a disaster. And a couple of the players that they did decide to play, including Equinemius St. Brown, yeah. you know, a potentially fantasy oh, rally wide when receiver. I, when I saw that injury, I'm like, oh, season over. Career ender. It, saw off his foot right now. It looks bad. The, the interesting part was, when you first looked at the hit, what you saw was the vicious head-to-head, yeah. you know, helmet-to-helmet action. Yeah. And then it turns out he also blew up his ankle, blew up his yeah. leg in some way, carted off the field. Yeah, they're saying it's only a, a severe high ankle sprain. That's which, amazing. I know. I was like, that's it's over. Yeah, uh, so. Fortunately, not not quite as bad as that. <laughs> Anything else from that? No, game? I, I mean Oakland didn't even bring the twenty four of their players Starters, to the right. game, and then because yeah. of the field, they benched seventeen others. So yeah, right. literally nothing to okay, talk good. about here. Let's let's move on to our last preseason game that we're going to talk about: Jacksonville taking on Miami. And there are actually a number of things. This sounds like an absolute absolute dog game but there was there was actually some good things to come out of it from a fantasy standpoint for Jacksonville Leonard Fournette got some work looked pretty good heavily involved in the passing game which has been a recurring theme of the preseason and the training camp for him D.D. Westbrook looks great and they targeted him constantly scored a touchdown he remains highly underdrafted and that's um I think he's somebody that's uh, that needs to move up cheat sheets yeah, pretty he's, he's gonna be a target high all yeah. year uh, Miami the offensive line was one of the big stories here. It's brutal. Poor Stubeard was on the run constantly. Looked shaky, got pressured, got hit. Uh... But, it, like, but yeah. it wasn't Stu Beard's fault, of course. No, of course not. That he looked Yeah, shaky. you give him time. Was he's a lethal machine. Um, the, the offensive line is bad. They made rookie Josh Allen for uh, for Jacksonville look like a potential defensive rookie of the year candidate. And by the way, he might be a potential defensive of the year candidate. Uh, rookie of the year. Uh, let's go to, while we're down the passing game still here a little bit, electrifying rookie Preston Williams ran with the first team in the first series. I think they might just be ready to just say, you know, they know where they're rebuilding. Why not give mm-hmm. Preston Williams a bunch of reps? He is, in my mind, the only receiver I'm interested in drafting out of that whole group. I'm yeah. done with the Kenny Stills of the world and Devontae Parker's of the world. I think Preston Williams is the guy. And find out if you got lightning in a bottle. Albert Wilson uh, is intriguing, though, in PPR. You can have him. Okay. Uh, Kalen Balazs had nowhere to run. Offensive line, again, terrible. No ability. And he's not good. No ability nope. to make uh. his own yards. So you give him no, you don't give him a giant hold and run through. He gives you nothing. Draft Kenyon Drake instead. Drake has dropped two full rounds of ADP over the last three weeks as he's been nursing a foot injury, and Kalen Balaj has been getting all this work. I'm telling you, Balaj stinks. To add real quick, Ryquel Armstead, I hope I pronounced his first yes, name right. Did. He looked good against the Miami starting defense. He's the true handcuff behind Fournette. Think, it's not Alfred Blue. Yeah, I it think is. it is, too. And there are, there are so, people that are on the Blue thing, but Blue stinks. Don't get, true, uh, yeah, I'm with don't get screwed by Blue. Absolutely. Uh, everything charge. That's me. Available at Fanball.com. By going to Fanball.com slash charge, you get instant access to my free cheat sheet, my free $5,000 week one contest, all our podcasts. It's your portal to guillotine leagues. Again, Fanball.com slash charge. Coming up next, let's look at teams with two viable fantasy starters at the same position. Which one is the right one, particularly when you factor in their draft position? You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly. Football 
Weekly returns. I am Paul Charchi, and my co-hosts are Brian Johnson and Christian Peterson. Guys, let's look at the teammates who are competing for a spot on your roster and kind of against each other. These are teammates who play the same position. They're both draftable guys, but which one do you take, especially when you factor in average draft position? I want to begin here. Christian, Philip Lindsay who's going in round five, or Royce Freeman, who's going in round eight. What do you think? Yeah, so Lindsey last year was the number 13 uh, fantasy running back, depending on your scoring system. But in yeah. a PPR uh, system, he was he was about 12th or 13th uh, in fantasy points last year. And Freeman was, was there, and Freeman was taking some of the goal line looks last year. And all throughout training camp, people were saying Freeman was the guy. And then it turned out Philip Lindsey was just a dramatically better player yeah. during the year. And now this offseason, they changed the coaching staff a little bit, and the new coaching staff came in, and they said they want to get Royce Freeman more involved. They went out and they picked up Theo Riddick in the preseason, yeah. uh, maybe to ke- take some pass catching away from Philip Lindsay. But now Riddick is injured. He fractured his shoulder in his first game, so right. he's out sort of indefinitely right now. And honestly, I I don't see what's changed this year versus last year. And Lindsay right now is the twenty sixth, twenty fifth, twenty sixth running back off the board. So to me, all of these factors about Freeman maybe already being. Uh, taking taking some mm-hmm. of the looks. It's yeah. already factored into his ADP, and I think the upside is still there for him to finish within the top 15. So I'm not buying Freeman just like uh, just like I didn't last year, and I think Lindsey is the guy, so I would, I would rather have him in round five than Freeman even, in round eight. Even three rounds earlier. Um, yep. You know, Royce Freeman had this, in, in the second preseason game, he had this untouched 50-yard yeah. run in which he was caught from behind easily. Yep. And I'm looking at that going, Philip Lindsay's gone. Gone. You give Philip Lindsay that hole, touchdown, that's like an 80-yard touchdown. Yeah. I just, I, I don't Lindsay see was it with really Freeman. Good and last th- year. There are fantasy experts who absolutely love Freeman yeah, and believe that Royce Freeman's going to, you know, catch and surpass Lindsay. And I just, I never see it with my own two eyes. They can't get past the draft capital. That's exactly right. Sunk into Freeman. It's the Roy, it's the, it's the penny situation all over again. Just like Seattle, people can't get past where, uh, where penny was drafted as a first rounder. Despite yeah. the fact that Chris Carson is so much better, and, and they're convincing everybody that Philip Lindsay is a fifth rounder, when in fact he should be a probably a third rounder. I'm so yeah, you. I'm in yeah, on Lindsay. Yeah, that's right. We're already getting the discount on Lindsay. Brian, yeah. Julio Jones, late first round, or Calvin Ridley in the fifth round. Oh, Which love, teammate are you taking? I, I want both to be honest with you. But if you got to pick one, let's break it down. Uh, starting with Julio, his 7,994 receiving yards since 2014 are the most by any player in any five-year span in his in the history of the NFL. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Injuries used to be a knock for Julio, if you recall in the past, sort yeah. of. But he's missed three starts during that same five-year span. The last start he missed was in 2016, so he's been fully healthy the last two years. Red zone targets used to be an issue for Julio Jones. Yeah. He had just three in the first eight games last year. Crazy. And they all came in the opener. Yeah. After that, though, Atlanta got their, their S together. Mm-hmm. Saw 14 red zone targets over this final nine games. Only Travis Kelsey saw more. He had 15. Yeah. So, and we all saw it happen. The touchdowns came for Julio. They still he fired, finished they, wide receiver one. They still fired Steve Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian anyway. Right. And Dirk Kiter, by the way, coming back, very familiar with Julio and yeah. Matt Ryan, which is a offensive coordinator. I, I love Atlanta this year. When it comes to fantasy, Julio Jones. Anyway, over to Calvin Ridley. A lot to love too. Here is the list of rookies with 10 plus receiving touchdowns over the past 25 years. Randy Moss. Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Gronk, 
Mike Williams, the Tampa Bay one from the mid-aughts. Oh, you yeah, recall right. him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Calvin Ridley. Wow. That's, That's good company right That's there. That's good company, aside from Mike Williams. I'm, I'm sorry he flamed out. I loved him in Madden, too, by the way. <laughs> anyway, Calvin Ridley. Half of those 10 touchdowns came in a two-game span, though, from weeks three to four. Yeah. And starting in week five, he only saw red zone targets in two games for the remainder of the season. Well, it's because Julio was he taking took them, all. them all. Why can't they throw to both of them, though? That's what I want to know. But anyway, three of those targets went for t- t- uh, two total touchdowns. Long story short, Ridley's going to make strides and be a bona fide wide receiver, too. But Julio is going around wide receiver five, six. He could be wide receiver one. I got I to gotta pull the trigger on Julio over Ridley, but I love them both. Understandable. And I, I think there is a great case. This, is, this could be the rare situation where you could take two wide receivers from the same team. And start them. Oh, and then you, and then so you draft, but you then you draft Matt Ryan and go all in. I I, I said this at training camp last week. It's one of the few teams I would do this with because you can get both. You get the quarterback after both wide receivers, and yeah. that's a good sign. That is a good sign. Uh, let's go to the Rams running back situation. Todd Gurley still going in the second round of fantasy drafts, or rookie Daryl Henderson who's going in the seventh round. Yeah, I mean, I think I think people know what the situation is here, right? We saw at the end of last year when Gurley sort of mysteriously towards the end of the year started getting sat down and then CJ Anderson stepped in and went berserk and the Rams didn't really admit that anything was wrong but what we saw on the field made it obvious that there was especially mm-hmm. with again with Anderson going bonkers and, and Gurley doing nothing for a team that had that had Super Bowl aspirations clearly and it's continued into the offseason he missed the offseason workouts he isn't practicing every day in training camp he's not going to play in the preseason so this is kind of interesting I went back and looked at his ADP before mid-June he was at about a 11th overall. So people had kind of priced in some of this uncertainty, but he was still being a first rounder. Then on June 18th, they came out and finally admitted that he has this arthritic condition in his Chronically knee. Chronically arthritic knee. And since then, so his ADP now dropped to 18th overall. Hmm. So really, only only seven spots, but he's now to the point where you're getting him clearly in the second round into the middle of the second round. But I just can't get over this uncertainty. I just think there's no way that you can afford to completely whiff on your second-round draft pick. No. And during the offseason, the Rams' actions speak a lot louder than their words. They matched the $3.25 million offer sheet to back up Malcolm Brown, and then they went out and got Henderson, who by all accounts everybody loves and is an explosive player. I would, you know, there's risk in Henderson as well. But I'd rather whiff on my seventh rounder than on my second rounder. So I'm taking Henderson in round seven. Couldn't agree more with everything you said. Think about this, listeners. It's a Wednesday. Injury report drops. Todd Gurley knee. Every week. Every damn week. It's going to read just like that, and you're going to have no way of knowing what's coming. Is it going to be two touches? Is it going to be 12 touches? Is it going to be 22 touches? God only knows. You're not going to know. It'll be a headache all year long. All year long. You're going to be doing that chronically arthritic knee. I don't like to chronically do things I enjoy. I don't want to chronically have sex. (laughs) You know, chronic arthritic knee, forget it. I'm totally out on that. No interest in investing in a chronically arthritic knee. Uh, last set of teammates that we want to break apart uh, before we take our, our next uh, our next pause. Mike Evans going in the second round or Chris Godwin going in the fourth. Brian. 
This is kind of another King Solomon situation here. Got to love both of these guys, um, especially with Deshaun Jackson and um, Adam Humphreys leaving. That vacates 38% of Tampa Bay's target shares. And yeah. the only wide receiver they bring in is Brashad Perriman. Right. He does not count. He does not count as a football player. So let's start with Evans. Actually, it's a quad injury right now. Probably going to miss the rest of preseason. Sort of questionable for week one. Mm-hmm. That's not good, but let's assume he's good to go. He should be. Uh, we know what we get with Evans. He's a bona fide wide receiver one, has overall wide receiver one potential since yep. 2014. Evans has more yards than Beckham Jr., more touchdowns than Devontae Adams, and more catches than T.Y. Hilton. He's just he's in the, the, the top tier of wide receivers, mm-hmm. or the 1B tier at least. But Chris Godwin could get there coming at couple rounds later in drafts. Only saw 95 targets last year. That's how many targets Willie Sneed saw. Ew. Very much ew. 95 still pretty good, though. It's not bad, but there's 25 to 30 more targets on the horizon for Godwin, who finished with 842 yards and seven touchdowns last year. He yeah. did see the fourth most targets from inside the 10-yard line last year with 11. For comparison's sake, Evans only saw six. And uh, Bruce Arians indicated Godwin can be a 100-catch guy, running primarily out of the slot, by the way, is what he'll do. Yeah. And guys like Heinz Ward, Reggie Wayne, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, obviously, in yeah, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, These are 100-catch guys under Arians offense, so I'm going Godwin with the value over Evans, even though I love them both again. Yeah, it's um, Godwin's got freaky upside, freaky upside. You know, Evans does too, uh, but you're, you're paying the you know you're paying a two round differential. I think that I think that can make some sense. Godwin easily one of the most hyped players of this this uh, summer. We've had so much fun with this uh, debate between players. Let's keep it rolling. We'll keep slicing up teammates and telling you which one to target in your draft or your auction. And you've heard us talking about the Guillotine League, the hottest new format in fantasy sports. Seventeen teams, and each week the low scoring team gets cut from. The league and their entire roster goes to the waiver wire. It makes for insane waiver wire runs. You can learn more and even join a guillotine league by going to guillotineleagues.com, powered by fanball.com. Coming up next, we will get back to teammates. Who should you take, especially when you factor in the average draft position? It is Fantasy Football Weekly. Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchian. My co-hosts are Brian Johnson and Christian Peterson. You can follow us on Twitter if you'd like. I am at Paul Charchian. You'll have to figure out how to spell that. Why even tell you how to spell it right now? Nobody's going to remember all the letters. Paul Charchian. Uh, Brian is easier. At B-T-X-J. I don't know how you could misspell Charchian, though. I think most people will come to it. Just spell it out. You should hear the telemarketers. Oh, God. Charchian. Butchery. Yeah, Charchian is all the time. Charchian. That's all he needs. It's easy. I, well, I th- well, of course, I think it's easy. I do, too. Uh, Christian, at CoolerHeads29. The 29 comes from? Uh, my favorite player at the University of Minnesota Duluth hockey team when I was growing up in Duluth, Minnesota, was Brett Hull. He there wore number go. 29. There you go. He's no Steve Eisenman. <laughs> uh, you can hear us over the air on many stations around the country, and this show is also a podcast available every Friday on all major podcasting platforms, including the number one destination for podcasts, the iHeartRadio app. Guys, let's return to our discussion about draftable teammates. These are two guys who play the same position on the same team team, but based on their average draft position, who would you rather choose? 
Christian, we begin with you. And Melvin Gordon, verse, and going in, by the way, we should mention, going in roughly the early third round, late second round. Yeah. Austin Eckler in the sixth round or Justin Jackson buried way down in like round 11, which yeah. guy should we focus on? Yeah, uh, Gordon's ADP is is going the wrong way here. Oh, he, he's, he's middle of round three, maybe even getting worse here as there does, unlike the Ezekiel Elliott situation where there's a ray of hope, there appears no end in sight for Melvin Gordon. Uh, the Chargers have dug in on this one in part because they do have such a capable backup in Eckler, who's averaged over 5.2 yards per carry in in his first two NFL seasons. And last year, even with Gordon handling the vast majority of the load, Eckler had 960 combined rushing and receiving yards yeah, and six touchdowns. Right, and a five-yard uh, per carry average uh, for Austin uh, Eckler. The, the, charger, the Chargers seem to have the leverage here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, so Eckler in round six seems like a good value, but Gordon still could return. Yeah. He has to come back by week halfway 10. through the year, yeah, yep. week 10, in order to accrue another year towards free agency, which right. he absolutely would want to do. Right. So Gordon's coming back at some point. So are you investing a round six pick in Eckler or both a round three and a round six just to lock up that backfield? That seems like a lot. That's the worst scenario. I'm actually going with Justin Jackson here. I'm I'm going with the dart throw. He was actually pretty good late last year. He had over 300 combined rushing and receiving yards and two touchdowns in a five-game stretch to close out the year last year. And Eckler actually had a couple of games late last year where he was the starter and supposedly the bell cow. He did not perform very well in those two games. So Mm -hmm. if and when Gordon misses a few games earlier in the year, Justin Jackson is going to be involved. So I'm more intrigued by him as a, as a lotto ticket in the round, in round 11 than either of these other guys in round three or round six. Right. So you can just flush that pick and it doesn't, doesn't materially hurt your team. If you got to just cut him outright. What resonates with me uh, is the first preseason game. Eckler fumbled from the two yard line. And then later Jackson had a violent touchdown. (laughs) Yes, he did. did. I think (laughs) the goal line duty, you know, if, if, if Gordon is, not there. Goal line duty is going to Justin Jackson. But I'll mention, speaking of goal line duty, Melvin Gordon has the second most touchdowns from inside the five since he entered the league. Yeah. So That's amazing because he didn't score a touchdown his rookie year. Yeah, remember you remember that? that? Yeah. He got yeah. blanked. Well, that was crazy. Uh, let's, go to, uh, let's go to the situation in Carolina between DJ Moore currently going in the fifth round and Curtis Samuel with a seventh round average draft position. Which teammate do you like better? Another uh, win-win situation really outside of this Cam Newton news, but we won't, we won't touch on that. Let's just pretend uh, Cam's going to be okay or let's hope. Uh, let's hope. Starting with uh, DJ Moore, as a rookie last year, he led all players with at least 50 catches in yards after the catch on a per-reception basis and became just one of 17 receivers to post 600 receiving yards at 21 years old. He joined a list that includes Randy Moss, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Juju, DeAndre Hopkins, and Josh Gordon. That's wow. a pretty nice company to yeah. be in. Yeah. Uh, now over to Samuel's side. In his second pro season last year, he didn't become a regular starter until week 8, and uh, he missed the last games due to injury, but he looked really good when given the opportunity, uh, including rushing the ball. He had two rushing touchdowns in addition to what he did catching the ball. Yeah. Uh, he's no gimmick player, though. He has the makings of number one as well. And uh, to see that, you just look at his red zone usage and his limited uh, game action. He had more touchdowns in the red zone than George Kittle, Jarvis Landry, Corey Davis, Allen Robinson, and Jimmy Graham. Three of his uh, four red zone receptions went for touchdowns, which is very efficient. And while four red zone receptions doesn't seem like a lot, if you extrapolate that, well, that it a is, full season... It's not a lot. It's not, 
but only 15 wide receivers had double-digit uh, red zone receptions last year, and most okay. of them were under 15 on that list. So, yeah. Gore, uh, I'm sorry, Samuel, very much in that company over a full season's work. This is a tough one. This is a really tough one for me. This I, is tough. I, uh, because I know, I know you love uh, DJ Moore. I do. And I love Curtis Samuel. And really, they're almost the same player. And in that case, I just got to take the, the cheaper one here and go Curtis Samuel. But, man, I, I, this is an instance. If I knew Cam was fully healthy, I'd be comfortable owning both of these guys and Cam on one team. I think Samuel is stronger and I think he's more elusive. I think he's. I think he's the. I think he's more dangerous. If you ask me, somebody's going to score. One of these two's going to score from you know sixty yards and break it two tackles to get there. I think it's. I think it's Curtis Samuel. Don't don't slouch on more after the catch though. He's he's tough right. to bring down. We'll find out. Uh, and I'm with you. I think you got. I think you identified the right guy. All right. Next, let's go uh, back to Christian Odell Beckham going in the late first round or Jarvis Landry going in the sixth round for Cleveland. Which receiver do you prefer at his average draft position? Yeah. So Beckham, like you mentioned, he is a late first rounder, the fourth wide receiver off the board right now, behind DeAndre Hopkins, Devonte Adams, Michael Thomas. We know his upside is as the number one overall fantasy wide receiver. Yeah. We've seen what he can do. Charge, I believe you have him listed as your. I had. Still, I don't you, anymore. Oh, you moved I, him down. Yeah, I moved okay. him down. I moved him down to five just because he's already hurt, and you know, just uh, the, yeah. the freaky upside for Odell Beckham. He could easily be the top scoring. He's never had a quarterback as good as Baker Mayfield's yeah. going to be this year, ever in his whole career. Yeah, there's no the the upside is unquestioned, but I mean, you're buying him at his upside in the first round. You can't buy him any any earlier than well, you are right I, now. Well, the only thing I'm buying is I'm getting him late first round instead. instead Instead of, of mid, yeah, right. You know, Instead of first the... wide receiver off the board at at five or six. So contrast that, however, to Landry, who has had the following career fantasy finishes in PPR formats: wide receiver nineteen last year, that was his worst year. Yeah. Wide receiver four, wide receiver thirteen, wide receiver eleven. He's never had fewer than one hundred and twelve targets in a season. He's always been playing in significantly worse offenses than what he's playing in now. Mm-hmm. And despite all of that, despite all of those elite level finishes from Landry. Right now, he's the 28th wide receiver off the board. Yeah. I don't understand it. I mean, <laughs> Baker Mayfield is fantastic. They have all of these weapons around them. Their new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, got 76 catches and five touchdowns out of Adam Humphreys In out the of the slot, slot last year. Out of the year. slot. That's and a Landry great point. plays out of the slot, and he's significantly better than Adam Humphreys. So, as you can probably tell, I would prefer to have Javis Landry way down in the sixth round than Beckham in round one. I was all I was I was totally in on Beckham before you gave yeah. the rationale yep. for Jarvis Landry and now I'm 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 you flipped my you flipped my opinion on all this. All right. Well, uh, well you, you changed my mind too cuz the rub is Landry burned people last year and I was one of them. And yeah, when right. they add Beckham then, you're just like it's not going to get any better, but it might. It, just might. it might get yeah. better. I'm sold. And it might get better because Odell Beckham is oh, yeah. going to pull and draw oh, coverage away from yep, him yep. and he's you know there's a lot of reasons why it could get better for Jarvis Landry this year. Back to Brian. Let's go to uh, let's go to San Francisco in one of the murkiest wide receiver situations. Do you like Dante Pettis in the eighth round or Debo Samuel, rookie receiver in the fourteenth? All right, uh, let's start with Dante at uh, quote unquote peak Pettis last year. Yeah, you know, his, uh, the, the six-game stretch yeah. uh, towards the end of the year, where he totally went off. He never saw more than seven targets, or uh, had more, and he just had five catches twice during that span. So he, there wasn't a ton of volume for Pettis there. Mm-hmm. He did have success in the red zone on paper, but he did see just one target from inside the ten-yard line. He's not a, a big end zone, end zone threat. That's really George Kittle's territory. territory. But uh, I don't see a bump in targets coming for Pettis when you consider Kittle, of course. 
They want Trent Taylor to factor out of the slot. He should be ready by week one. Marquise Goodwin is back. Jalen Hurd, this rookie, yeah, is turning it, it heads. Good. And then there's Debo Samuel, who they drafted in the second round, who's looked great this preseason. Yeah. And uh, really, Debo is a very similar player to um, Pettis. And he concedes about an inch in height. They both round four, four, eight forties, mm. equally as fast. Yeah. But Debo's got like 20 pounds of muscle on Pettis. And I think that makes him more of a factor after the catch, more of a factor in the red zone. He can uh, muscle defenders much more easily than Pettis. Who doesn't have the height to separate as well? So I'm taking Debo at a discount. I know you're going to hate a charge because you're a big Pettis guy. I, I like, like Pettis, Pettis, but I, I got to go value here, and I'm going to go Debo. You know, there uh, Pettis has managed to get his his head coach uh, Kyle Shanahan to call him out uh, publicly about you know he's got to step up and stuff. Blah blah blah. I think that's you know I just think that's a motivational talk. I think that's him trying to light a fire under a kid that maybe got a little too full of himself with the success he had from last year. He listens to the show Pettis does, and he heard me talking about how great he is uh, in previous versions of Fantasy Football Weekly. I think that went to his head a little bit. Um, all that said, Debo Samuel's practically free in the 14th round, and I feel as good about him getting playing time as I do anybody in this offense. So as much as I, as much, as optimistic as I am about Dante Pettis, I'm kind of with you on, on Debo Samuel's the right pick here, factoring in the average draft position. Let's go to another thorny one, and one that's it's it's shifting sands constantly. <laughs> Kansas City's backfield, Damian Williams, you got to pay a end of second round price for, or Darwin Thompson in round twelve. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there was a point before training camp opened when Damian Williams was approaching like first, first round. round. Yes, he was. That's how excited yeah. people were about this guy after uh, last year. What we saw at the end of last year, you can't blame him. Eight touchdowns, three 100-yard games in the final five games of last year. He was running back four after Kareem Hunt left the team. Yep. Four. Uh, so clearly, that's very compelling. Uh, mm-hmm. But he also... In his previous four seasons, averaged three and a half yards per carry, never received more than 46 carries or 22 receptions in a season. He's 27 years old. He's a journeyman. Nobody wanted him. Like, there's there's no precedent for this, for a guy coming in and, and spending the first four years on the bench and then turning into a fantasy superstar. But anyways, preseason starts, training camp starts. All of a sudden, the sixth-round rookie, Darwin Thompson, mm-hmm. looks incredible. Really explosive. He played at a small college, but he has a lot of very good physical traits. He's fast. He's strong. He's elusive. And he's shown it in the preseason. So I'm not a believer in Damian Williams. I think there's too much risk, certainly in the second round and even in the third round. I'd rather take the dart throw on Darwin Thompson in the 12th. Coming up next, let's answer three tough questions. You can play along, answer the tough questions, see if you can go a perfect 3-0 on Fantasy Football Weekly.
is Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Jarchian, co-owner of Fanball.com. My cohorts, my co-hosts are Brian Johnson and Christian Peterson. Guys, it's time to get into the grinder with three tough questions. Listeners, you can play along, see if you can go 3-0. and oh. It's a themed version this week. We don't normally have, normally they're just sort of scattershot, random, three tough questions. This is a theme. We begin with... Tough question number one. Who is this year's biggest risk-reward quarterback? So this is the quarterback that will provide the highest upside and downside among all the available quarterbacks. Who do you got? Brian. I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson, who right now is going as a late fifth-round pick. Really quarterback, too, in most most drafts I've seen. Um, the good with Deshaun, he's got DeAndre Hopkins in tow, arguably wide receiver one in all of the world. Uh, Hop, uh, I'm sorry, Watson also very mobile, third among quarterbacks in rushing yards and touchdowns last season. Has a new OC, offensive coordinator Tim Miller, who is highly regarded. Uh, he plays great with Will Fuller. Watson, that is, uh, 11 touchdowns in 11 games when they're on the field together. Fuller comes Coming off an ACL reports are somewhat encouraging, but uh, that leads me to the bad. Um, without the, the proven durability of his secondary receivers, Will, F- Will Fuller, who has missed 15 games over the last two years, and Kiki Cutie, who missed 11 games last year, already injured his ankle this preseason. It's all just been all Hopkins and the rushing behind an awful offensive line that was forced to sign Matt Khalil, of all people, who might be their left tackle. I don't know. They didn't even force to sign. They just chose they to sign him. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know who does that, but yeah. 81, well, 81 team sacks. team front office does it, I guess. No GM. 81 sacks in 23 games for Watson. I'm just afraid history's going to repeat itself, because last year he was going off as quarterback 2-3, finishes quarterback 12. That's too much of a gap for me, and nothing has really changed. Uh, I don't trust Will Fuller to stay healthy coming off the ACL. The O-line is still very wobbly, so he's way too high risk, high reward for me. Alright, who is this year's biggest risk-reward quarterback? Christian. My initial thought was when I, when I got this assignment was Kyler Murray because of the massive upside, but you're really not risking much with him, a 10th rounder. So instead, I went with Baker Mayfield. He's currently the QB4 right now by ADP, somewhere in round 7, round 8-ish. The upside is obvious. We've already talked a little bit about it, but based on his performance from last year especially, in the eight games after Freddie Kitchens took over last year, Mayfield threw 19 touchdowns, completed over 68% of his passes, really thrived when he started throwing the ball deep downfield. And then in the offseason, they go out and they add Odell Beckham, clearly one of the best deep threats in the game. They've got emerging young players all over the place here. We talked about Jarvis Landry, Dave, mm-hmm. uh, tight end David Njoku, running back Nick Chubb, maybe later in the year Kareem Hutt. So everything is set up for success here. But yeah. we don't really know. It's all, it's all conjecture. It's all based on what we saw in half a season of work. We don't really know about Beckham. He could, you know mess things up in the locker room. We've seen him be a divisive force. So you're having to take Baker Mayfield as the fourth quarterback off the board ahead of Andrew Luck, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, a lot of much more established players. So that's why I think there's uh, there's significant risk here as well. Uh, you guys touched on the two finalists that I, I chose, uh, although did not ultimately select. Kyler Murray was in that conversation until I saw exactly what you did, the 10th round ADP. I'm not risking enough. Deshaun Watson, we'll talk more about him later. I think there is a lot of risk there. But what about the correct answer? Aaron Rodgers going off the board as quarterback three in fan uh, among all fantasy players, and to get him, you got to go uh, round six. That's not a trivial. That's not a trivial draft pick. 
everything could go right for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it really was all Mike McCarthy's fault. And maybe now he's set up with a, uh, a a coach who has been a great quarterback advisor, at least was with the Rams. He didn't get anything on Marcus Mariota. Um, and that now with Devontae Adams, you've got young receivers who look like they're going to be a lot better in year number two in, in Geronimo Allison and Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. Maybe it all comes together. Or... Maybe Matt LaFleur is in way over his head. He wasn't ready to coach yet. He wasn't able to get Marcus Mariota there. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is going to steamroll this guy and try to run the team like he did at the end of last year after they fired McCarthy, and this thing's going to tank badly. Remember last season, Aaron Rodgers, the most scoring systems, was somewhere between quarterback 12 and 18. He was bad. He was bad. Bad. And that's, that's a chance that you still have with Aaron Rodgers. Let's move on to... Tough question number two. Who is the biggest risk-reward running back this year? Christian, you get to have the honors to go first. Yeah, I went back to Cleveland on this one with Nick Chubb, in part because I've seen him in drafts recently being taken as high as number four or number five overall. Uh, People love Nick Chubb right now. It's partially because as soon as the Browns traded Duke Johnson away, it became clear that they were probably going to pass a little bit more to Chubb, and that was maybe the one part of his game that he was missing or that we didn't see last year. Uh, But we saw how good Chubb could be last year. At the same time, Baker Mayfield exploded. So did Chubb. So I I get the upside here, and it's tantalizing. What I hate is the fact that Kareem Hunt could be back. Yeah, well, that could be back. He will be back. will be back by week nine. And Kareem Hunt was one of, you know, the top two or three, four or five, whatever, a top fantasy running back uh, in in every every season that we've seen. So Mm -hmm. you might be cruising along with the overall number one running back all season long for the first eight weeks. But what happens when Hunt comes back? I mean, maybe in the first couple of weeks, they just kind of work him in a little bit here and there. But Hunt is just so talented that I think he's going to have a significant role after he comes back, and that's a risk that I'm not willing to take. All right, Brian, who is the biggest risk-reward running back on the board for fantasy drafters? I'm going to stay close to home here in Minneapolis and say Dalvin Cook, who right now is going in mid-second in most drafts. I've seen him go in the first in some, and uh, that's because of the sky's the limit in a bell cow role uh, that he should take on this year. Coming off the ACL, uh, suffered in week four last year, had the shoulder injuries in college, which makes him a little injury prone. Mm-hmm. That's really the only concern for Cook himself uh, is the injuries. Uh, if he stays healthy, he has RB1 potential with the Vikings. But what makes him riskier outside of the injuries is he's a guy you probably want to handcuff, but who are you going to handcuff him to? Is it Mike Boone or is it Alexander Madison? You know, everybody you, everybody close to this team says it's Madison. I think and that's because the Boone, draft capital again. It's the same it thing. It's be. the draft capital. It could the, be. They yeah. got it. He, they picked him in the third round. But Boone is looked better. You're closer to the I, team than I am, Church. And uh, I see. I, I'm a. I, I kind of like Boone, but everybody close to the right. team tells me that it's it's Madison. Well, it's not. Run, by the way, right? run with the first team offense in every preseason game. I'd like to have at least a clear cut handcuff if I'm forced to handcuff a stud running back, and that's it's not quite evident there so uh dalvin cook can win your win you your league this year but uh he could lose it if uh, he does get injured but i'm crossing my fingers i'm all in on him though so let's go this year's biggest risk reward running back is leonard fournette 
at this time a year ago, Fournette was coming off the board at the end of the first round because he was coming off a season in which he was RB8 in fantasy points, the eighth highest scoring fantasy player. But last year, as you all know, disaster because of the soft tissue injuries and a horrible offensive line that was riddled with injuries. His running was tentative. He just wasn't himself all year. And maybe all that repeats himself. Maybe it's he's set up for another year of soft tissue injuries. Maybe. Um, but the offensive line got improved in the offseason. It's healthy now. And he's got the upside, Fournette does, of a top five player. He's the rare workhorse in a league that has very few workhorses. There's no competition for carries here at all. He'll get all of those. He's enjoying the best quarterbacking of his career, of his career with Nick Foles. And you figure offensive line improved and better. And then all the pass catching they've, they've thrown to him in the preseason and training camp, OTAs. It looks like he's sitting on a much improved uh, PPR production as well, which has been one of the few things that's held him back. Leonard Fournette could be a top five fantasy player, or he could miss the whole season with ongoing groin injuries. So who's to say Leonard Fournette, the biggest risk-reward running back? Let's move on to... Tough question number three. Who is the year's biggest risk-reward wide receiver? Back to Brian. Who you got? I I couldn't help myself. It's Antonio Brown going uh, ninth pick in the second round. Since 2014, uh, in reverse order, among players who qualify with the most receiving touchdowns, it goes like this. Devontae Adams, 39. Mike Evans, 40. Odell Beckham, 44. DeAndre Hopkins, 45. Antonio Brown, 59. We know the upside, ah. but he's on a whole new team. We all know that as well. And Derek Carr is not Ben Roethlisberger. And I'm going to go to my boy Graham Barfield with a stat mm-hmm. on a deep ball accuracy attempt by season. And these are passes of 25 plus yards. Uh, Roethlisberger in 2016, he was the most accurate. In 2017, the most accurate. Last year, the ninth most accurate. Derek Carr, 2016, the second lowest. <laughs> 2017, 10th banner year. 2018, last year, fourth lowest. So, outside of the cerebral issues that may exist with Antonio Brown, (laughs) Mm -hmm. the quarterbacking and just the team in general makes him incredibly volatile, but there is certainly a a high ceiling if uh, all the cards fall the right way with him. All right, Christian. I, too, went with Antonio Brown, the number one, two, or three fantasy wide receiver five years in a row. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll pile on a little bit about the difference between Pittsburgh and Oakland. Last year, Oakland, 80 fewer passing yards per game, 130 fewer pass attempts throughout the season. Uh, In terms of points scored per game, Pittsburgh scored the fifth most points in the league. Oakland scored the 28th most points in the league. That's eight and a half points per game less. And uh, yeah, I mean, we know what the upside is, but how's it going to go for Antonio Brown when the Raiders start inevitably start losing this year? Mm-hmm. This guy is a diva. You have no idea what's going to happen. So uh, I agree, Antonio Brown. Yeah, uh, this one was a layup. It is Antonio Brown, highest risk reward. He could be the, you know, maybe he ends up as wide receiver one again because mm-hmm. he's done it before. Or maybe Oakland's crappy offensive line doesn't give Derek Carr even the time to set up on those deep passes that Antonio Brown has housed so many times when he was with Pittsburgh. And then I think you raised one of the great points that nobody's talking about. He's used to winning at a high level for his whole career. Last year was the first time he wasn't on a particularly successful playoff-bound Steelers team. And, it went and look what happened. Yeah. You know, he, he had to leave the team. They got rid of him. What happens when the Raiders start 1-6? and six? 
Oh, God. I, I can't tell you for sure that at some point the team doesn't ask him to leave this year. That's a real possibility that Mayock and Gruden just tell him to leave. That's, you know, this thing could end in a, in a grievance somewhere, you know, sitting in a, you know, sitting in court. Who knows? There's so much weird risk with Antonio Brown. It was an easy answer. You all got it right. <laughs> Hopefully, the listeners went three and zero. Let me ask you this: Let's take my three answers as uh, for the high risk, high reward guys. How would you feel about coming out of your draft with all three high risk, high reward guys, and just taking and saying to yourself, you know what, you know, all these guys come with a certain discount because of the risk, and I want to roll the dice. I've got your it's it's Leonard Fournette who you can get in the late second round, early third round. It's Aaron Rodgers in the sixth round, and it's Antonio Brown whose ADP I think is round you can say second four, third pick late, with late those second. Two. Yeah, you get Fournette Brown at the turn. Yeah, second sure. third turn. Okay, there you go. That's fair. How do you, is would you feel comfortable with that draft strategy? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I generally don't mind a high risk, uh, high reward sort of draft strategy. I mean, I'd, rather than finishing sixth or seventh place in my league, I'd rather just go for it. Right? I want I want to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm going to. Sometimes I might just be horrible and finish near dead last. So I like that. I like that. But what I don't like are the players. I mean, I. I Fournette and Rodgers just don't do anything for me. The, I think the risks far outweigh the reward on Brown, so I wouldn't do it with those. I, I could I, live with Fournette, Rodgers. It's Brown that scares us. Scared, yeah. right, that's yeah. right, especially <laughs> where he's going in a lot of yeah. drafts right now. It's to me, it I my risk profile in my draft. I want the risk at the bottom of my draft, not the top middle of my draft. So I couldn't I couldn't stomach having that much risk coming in my rounds three and four and five and six too early. We've done. Dozens of drafts, you know, and sometimes you look back, or at least I do, and you realize there are guys I never drafted. We will look at the guys that are in the black hole of fantasy. Find out our blacklist, the guys we never draft. Coming up next on Fantasy Football Weekly. Season edition of Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchi, and you know, acing your draft is about picking the right players, you know. But it's also about avoiding the wrong players. That's half the battle, right? We talk all the time about the players we want to take. But we don't always talk about the players that we don't plan to draft. And it's not always just a matter of just like, I don't like that guy. I would never draft him under any circumstances. We're going to break down three quarterbacks, three running backs, and three wide receivers we never draft. You know, all the mock drafts we've done, the real drafts that we've done, the guillotine league drafts, all the things, no matter the format, the scoring system, the situation, these are guys we never end up with. We'll begin at the quarterback position. Brian Johnson, who you got? I got Andrew Luck, and... uh... In all honesty, I had luck before the injury concerns that uh, have popped up over the last couple of weeks or the last week or so. Um, 
he was going as quarterback three before the injury news. Now he's more like quarterback six, going roughly the first pick in the eighth round. Yeah, he's my number seven quarterback on my cheat sheet. And in general, I'm just a wait on quarterback guy in one quarterback leagues, which just puts him way out of my purview already. But I'm even fading him in two quarterback formats. I'm just not playing this injury game with luck. Uh, we've seen it a couple years ago. Granted, it's an ankle now, not not his shoulder, which uh, ankle bodes better for a quarterback, I suppose. But Jacoby Brissett might be the best backup in the NFL. Yeah. And Indy's like shopping him, or if someone wants him, they got to give up a round one yeah, pick. Yeah, yeah, which reportedly, means yeah. he's not going anywhere. And right now, you couldn't, you know, they're not moving Brissett at no, all right it, now. And they have confidence in him going into the season. So there, mm-hmm. there's no rush to bring Luck back. And and when they do, we saw it already last year. He, he used to run the ball a fair amount uh, in his four, like, Full seasons, four full healthy seasons. He was averaging well over sixty rushing rushing attempts per uh, for the year. He had just forty six rushing attempts last year, though, so that was a significant drop. It's going to drop further behind a great O line with a strong running game and a good defense. They don't need Luck to be running the ball around, especially hurt. So I'm just all out on Andrew Luck, not touching him. I don't care See, if he I'm, drops to quarterback ten. I'm, in, I'm I'm increasingly interested in luck because he's becoming so cheap fair, that if it's point. only going to cost me, you know, instead of costing me the fifth rounder that he was three weeks ago, it's now going to cost me an eighth or a ninth rounder, and I can just go back him up with somebody else later. That's starting to get more palatable to me. I'm more interested in him. All right, Christian, who do you have as your blacklist quarterback, the guy you never end up drafting? I've got Patrick Mahomes, um, and believe it or not, he is my number one quarterback. Yeah, right. It's That's not but, the issue. But his ADP right now is 23rd overall, so that's mm-hmm. late second round. You know, all you have to do is you can Google Patrick Mahomes and regression, and you will find all sorts of articles that talk about how he most likely can't possibly repeat his historically good season from last year. Nobody's ever done it before. Nobody's, Nobody's ever and 50 so, and then 50. So again. I'll just, you know, I'm not going to list out all of those reasons. Here's the one that I like the best that I found. Since 1999, there have been 13 seasons in which a quarterback threw 40 or more touchdowns hmm. in a season. This list includes Tom Brady, Peyton Manning several times, Dan Marino, Drew Brees, you know, all-time greats. Yeah. In in the following year, those quarterbacks averaged 16 and a half fewer Fewer? touchdown passes and even if if you factor out things like tom brady missed an entire season right yeah if if you go to the next season after that (laughs) even if you factor in injury then it still is 13 fewer touchdowns the following Mm -hmm. year so i just can't justify spending a second rounder on patrick mahomes you're basically paying for another record-setting historical season at that price the next quarterback off the board right now is Deshaun Watson 40 spots later yeah so I just I can't risk a second rounder and when I can just get a perfectly good quarterback a lot later on but there's this with Mahomes other than history telling us it's very unlikely name a reason I mean that's the thing. I know, you know that's, dude, that's the problem, one. right? There like, isn't one. He looks so good and so Generation, incredible, yeah, and Tyreek Hill is back, arm, and right. all of this talent there, and Andy Reid's offense. And yes, there are a lot of reasons why. <laughs> yeah, it could, it could happen. happen again. He could buck the trend, right? Here's the other thing about Patrick Mahomes that makes him to me still enticing. Fantasy football is about having fun, and when 
he goes back to pass, and you see him launching that 60-yard yeah, pass. The no-look behind the back. or the, well, that yeah, too. Or the 60-yarder, or the, the yeah. it's at its apex of its yeah. arc, and so are you off the couch. You're <laughs> spilling the popcorn and the beer all over the place. You're jumping off the couch to see if it's going to be resting in the arms of Tyree Kill on the other end, yeah. and it might be. He's so exciting and so fun to have on your team. Everybody who didn't have him last year wants Patrick Mahomes <laughs> this year because you were watching those highlights and just going, oh, I could have had him in the 10th round last year, and I, I passed on him nine times. <laughs> That's the thing about Patrick Mahomes. But the regression's probably coming. Yeah. I've got Deshaun Watson. Brian already broke down a lot of Deshaun Watson. Why he's nervous about him, I am too. He is my one of my highest-rated quarterbacks. He's my number three quarterback. So, you know, much like you with Patrick Mahomes, I like him a lot. I'm not paying my six-round ADP on Deshaun Watson. Uh, there's certainly upside. He can run his pa- run and pass his way to points, and I, I love that. Uh, but I can find other quarterbacks who can run and pass their way to points for a lot less and not have to pay the six-round ADP. I can get Baker Mayfield with some mobility in the eighth round. I can get Russell Wilson in the 10th round, Lamar Jackson in the 11th round, Dak Prescott in the 12th round, and they give me run pass options, and I don't have to pay anywhere near that much. And I'll remind you, Watson suffered 62 spine-shattering sacks last year. 62. <laughs> the fact that he played every game was a miracle. He's like 30 years old now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. On the inside. They've, that's right. Yeah. They've, they've, <laughs> they've sacked him into an early, an early grave. I, if, he, if I told you he was going to absorb another 62 sacks behind Pro Football Focus's 31st-ranked offensive line, would you tell me he's going to play 16 games? It's not promising. It's not promising. That's why I can't take Deshaun Watson. Let's continue on with our blacklist. These are the guys that we never find ourselves drafting. We begin now with the running back position. Brian. Ooh, this guy's sure to disappoint all those in the black hole. It's Josh Jacobs. No, thank you, sir. Uh, Josh Jacobs, by the way, the famed backup to Damian Harris at at their time (laughs) at Alabama. (laughs) Didn't even start. Yeah, <laughs> only the Raiders would take the backup over the starter, and that's really just it. Uh, I don't trust anything that Oakland does. Uh, they're carrying four running backs into the season. By the way, that doesn't bode well for Josh Jacobs. And Jalen Richard is going to own the third down work, regardless of uh, Jacobs or Doug Martin getting the majority of the carries. It will be Jacobs to start the season, but again, they're running behind a really bad O line, ranked 26 by Pro Football Focus. Mm-hmm. When you have to go out and sign Richie Incognito for depth, yeah, mm, that's not. Ouch. So Jacobs in the early fourth, I'm just fully out on this. I don't I don't see him returning even RB two value throughout the season. He's a flex play at best in my mind. Okay. Christian, your black list running back. I will go with Todd Gurley. And let me tell you a few things <laughs> okay. about degenerative knee arthritis. All right, good. At first, you may notice pain in the morning or after you've been inactive for a while. Mm-hmm. Your knees may hurt when you climb stairs, <laughs> stand up from a sitting position, or kneel. Well, wait, does he ever have to stand up from a sitting position, Todd Curley? <laughs> Never, no. It may hurt just to go for a walk. <laughs> you may also feel pain when you're simply sitting down. <laughs> Some yeah. people with arthritis say that damp weather or other changes in the weather can bring on pain. Well, he is in L.A., so you don't have to sweat that have to so worry much. that. Some people with arthritis say that when multiple 300-pound men are constantly <laughs> attempting to bash, crush, and generally grind your body into a million tiny pieces, that may also bring on pain. Over time, your knee muscles weaken, and the entire joint structure becomes unstable. Overall weakness in the knee can cause it to give way or buckle. 
<laughs> the joint can also stick or lock up so that you can't bend or straighten it out. Eventually, you may feel a grinding sensation in your knees as you move. I'm feeling one right now just listening to you this. You might even hear cracking or popping sounds coming from your knees. Arthritis can make it increasingly challenging for your knee joints to glide as they should, <laughs> making previously simple movements difficult or even impossible. <laughs> You're most likely to notice a restricted range of motion when you climb stairs or participate in athletic activities. Like? Football, Football, you say? Really? In time, okay. you may have trouble walking without a cane yeah. or a walker. That's for Todd all of Gurley. these reasons, I'm out on Todd Gurley. <laughs> and his chronically arthritic knee. Yes. I've got James Conner currently going off the board as the last pick of the first round. And what a mistake that's going to be, I think, for people. Now, in some cases, we're saying, oh, we love Patrick Mahomes, but I wouldn't take him. I like Deshaun Watson, but I you know, but I wouldn't take him where he's going. I don't want James, I don't want anything to do with James Conner at this price. Every single person who's commented about the backfield in Pittsburgh that has reason to know says it's going to be a timeshare. James Connor called it a timeshare. Jalen Samuels called it a timeshare. The coaches have called it a timeshare. In the second half of last season, Connor regressed badly. His touches per game dropped by a third. His yards per game dropped in half. His touchdowns per game dropped in half. His yards per carry went from almost five down to four. And after missing zero games in the first half of last year, Connor missed three in the second half. Everything trended the wrong way at the end of last year. So then there's Jalen Samuels. In the second half of last season, when Jalen Samuels started getting work, he averaged two more touches than Connor did. He averaged 32 more yards than Connor did. He averaged an additional 1.2 yards per carry. I told you Connor's average per carry dropped a lot. Samuels was better. And. As a converted tight end, Samuels' receiving numbers were better than Connors. And Connors were also solid, but Samuels were even better. Connors also got to overcome his own position coach, Eddie Faulkner, who coached Samuels at North Carolina State. While together, Samuels was a workhorse for Eddie Faulkner, setting the school's all-time reception record with 202 catches and earning all ACC honors twice. That's his own coach now for the Steelers. Man, that's a lot to overcome for James Conner and a lot of worry for me. All right, let's go uh, Let's go to our final position on our blacklist, and that's the wide receiver position and Brian Johnson. Uh, we'll stay with the same team, and I'm going Juju. Uh, I'm not drafting Juju. Really going the last pick in the first round, very early second. Mm-hmm. Some wide receiver three to six, depending on whose rankings you're looking at. Where do you have him, Charge? You're higher on Juju than most. Oh, I love Juju. He's my uh, number two you're gonna, wide receiver. You're going to hate this then. Well, I'm not drafting Juju. Uh, 168 targets vacated by Antonio Brown. Juju's not going to absorb really any of those. He already had a very prominent role in this offense, unlikely to change running out of the slot. All the vacated targets are going to be dispersed among Dante Moncrief, James Washington, Vance McDonald, maybe some Jalen Samuels even. Uh, None of those guys are Antonio Brown, obviously. You put them all together, they're not not Antonio Brown. Mm -hmm. I just think Juju's going to draw a lot more attention uh, than last year. That's not too far-fetched to think. He's clearly the number one threat in the receiving game now. Uh, The Steelers are consensus bottom 12 in terms of wide receiver strength of schedule. I like him to be a top 10 wide receiver. I like him to repeat his performance of last year, but I just don't see him besting the likes of uh, Julio Jones and Tyreek Hill, guys who are going in that same range. And I honestly would take those two 10 out of 10 times over Juju, but that is just me. All right. 
Yeah. By the way, there are thing parts that I agree with. There isn't a lot of room for him to grow, but Juju doesn't even have to grow. He was great last year, and even if he just increments up by ten percent, I think he's you know he could be wide receiver one. Uh, I went with Antonio Brown here, and we've kind of uh, we've kind of beat that one to death already. Yeah. I will say just just one additional thing about it is that the fact that he scored so many touchdowns last year kind of masked the fact that his numbers have been decreasing now mm. for the last four or five years in, in terms of catch percentage. Uh, last year, he caught only 62% of the passes thrown his way. That's a career low since he became a starter. Yeah. Just four years earlier, that was at 71%. And the touchdown uh, the touchdown receiving from last year is just unsustainable. He scored 14 po- on 14.4% of his catches last year. Yeah, that's crazy. His career average before that was just over 8%, so yeah. almost double. So a lot of reasons I don't like Antonio Brown this year. Uh, my blacklist wide receiver is Kenny Galladay, currently going in the fourth round. And it's not that he's not a good player. He, he is a good player. And he's, by the way, terrific matchup coming in week one against the Cardinals secondary, missing its top two cornerbacks. He's setting it on potentially great week one. But the Lions are a running team. It started last year, and it's going to expand this year. This is the quote from Lions offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel. We'll always be about running the football. We want to be a tough, hard-nosed, physical football team. We want to be able to exert our will on our opponents. And it's true. Matt Patricia grew up in the Patriots system, including acting as the team's defensive coordinator for five years, six years. During his tenure, the Patriots ran the ball the sixth most times. Despite having Tom Brady at quarterback, they ran the ball the sixth most times. And obviously it worked out for the Patriots, multiple championships under Matt Patricia. In 2017, the year before Patricia arrived, the Lions ran the second fewest times. Last year in Patricia's first year, they bat went all the way from 31 to 18, right in the middle of the pack. Now, this year, they bring in Daryl Bevel to run the ball more. As offensive coordinator for 12 years, Daryl Bevel's teams ran the second most times in the NFL. Hmm. There's just too much running. Daryl Bevel's averages 30 runs per game. 30! There's just going to be games where the targets just aren't there for Kenny Galladay. And I think you're going to have an inconsistent season beginning in week two after he houses the Cardinals in week one. <laughs> Sell high after week Sell one. Sell high after week one if you're going to draft Kenny Galladay for sure. Our final topics are ahead when we look at the upside and the downside of rushing quarterbacks. Can you put your team in the hands of a quarterback who needs to run you to victory and as always we end the show by revealing our favorite sleepers you can download my cheat sheet for free by going to fanball.com slash charge fanball.com slash charge it is fantasy football weekly Charchian. You can get all things charts related at fanball.com slash charts. That's a free $5,000 contest for week one. And by the way, in that contest, it also gives you a chance to get to our, our win a ticket, an entry into our week 17 $10,000 championship game. And all you have to do to do that is beat your lineup. So beat, the yeah, bar is very lineup. low. It is very low. Beat my, uh, my lineup in a salary cap format. It is the 
Crush Charge Championship. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can do that for free. Famble.com slash charge. Also, my cheat sheet is available there as well. Also for free. Famble.com slash charge. We'll break down fantasy football's rushing quarterbacks in a few moments. But first, every week, we give out one sleeper a piece. Now, we've already used Jalen Samuels, Curtis Samuel. Dante Moncrief, C.J. Anderson, Darren Waller, Latavius Murray, Peyton Barber, Tyler Eifert, Robbie Anderson, and Adam Humphreys. Let's see who we're going to add. Those are in previous shows. Mm-hmm. Let's see who we're going to add to the list this time. Christian, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got Darwin Thompson, who we uh, we touched on earlier in this show. Uh, just a sixth round draft pick. Guy wasn't even invited to the combine. Usually, that's a bad sign. But if we look at his pro day measurements and extrapolate those to the people that did participate in the Mm -hmm. combine, he would have been third among all running backs in the vertical, fifth in the broad jump, second in the bench press. He ran the 40 in 4.47, which isn't blazing. Not bad. But it's fast. Enough. Uh, Pro Football Focus has a measurement that they call elusive rating, where they measure running backs. Thompson ranked first among all college backs in that rating last year. Dang. I thought it was Montgomery was first. All right. That's what I I found. uh, I'm I'm sure you're right. Okay. Um, and phys- so physically, part of the problem, part of the reason he fell to the sixth round is because mm-hmm. he's all of five, five eight. eight. He's five foot he's eight. Short, he right? short, right? So, but he's comparable to to Tariq Cohn, Philip Lindsay, Matt Breda, who have all had a lot of success over the last couple of years. In fact, Lindsay, I think, is a great comparison here. That guy was didn't get invited to the combine either. either undrafted, right? yeah. came from out of nowhere in the preseason, kind of like Thompson is. I don't believe in Damian Williams. I think this job is going to be turned over to Darwin Thompson, who's already mixing in with the first team. He's already taking some red zone looks uh, in in training camp. So I think this is a potential league winner. And right now you only have to spend an 11th or 12th round. All right, Brian, who is your sleeper for this week? Real quick, just to tack on, I laugh uh, when anyone dispels the notion that Thompson can usurp Williams because he's a sixth round pick. Right. Williams was undrafted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah there's okay, no yeah, we'll capital in him. But yeah. for William, okay, in Williams' defense, there were character issues and stuff. On talent alone, True. Williams yep. would have absolutely been drafted and probably like day two. So there was that. And also, Williams languished in Miami with the terrible teams. And, you know, Miami's done plenty of, had plenty of mistakes. So, you know, he was never a big part of what Miami did. But it takes he some, looked, it takes he some people four year years to, to, get it, uh, to put it together. To get, it, to get their stride. <laughs> I'm, maybe in some cases that's the case. How come you don't give Lamar Miller the benefit of the doubt for the, the <laughs> in time year in Miami? seven? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. He's, no. he's stunk on two teams. That's why. Yeah, well, that Texans line is not good. We've gone over that many times. All right. Well, my sleeper is not Lamar Miller. Um, it's a guy who, if I w- were allowed to play in the Crush Chart Championship uh, with the $1,000 prize to first place for free. I would target Matt Stafford, who's bottom five in pricing on Fanball in week one, by the way. Uh, and it, really, this speaks to maybe the, the Cam Newton, Andrew Luck owners out there who might need a replacement come week one. Mm-hmm. Well, you might have a, a solid replacement for the first four weeks. Now, this is a little contradictory contradictory to your uh, blacklist Kenny Galladay call saying Detroit yeah. wants to run the ball yeah, a lot. And yes, do. they've gone out and said that. But Detroit has also wanted to win playoff games or go to the playoffs <laughs> since they've been in existence. But they can control it. That control never really came to fruition, maybe once or twice. <laughs> But um, so let's just let's just look at the matchups for Stafford on paper. Starting right. it at Arizona, who will be without both starting cornerbacks, Patrick Peterson and Robert Alford will miss this game. Mm-hmm. Great matchup there. Uh, in week two at home against the Chargers, who just lost Derwin James, right. All Pro safety, easily the linchpin of that secondary, mm-hmm. arguably the whole defense. So that's a huge ding for them. Then at Philly, who allowed the second most passing yards last year, always a pretty good. Um, 
matchup for quarterbacks and wide receivers. And then in week four, they have Kansas City uh, at home, always shoot out potential. The Chiefs allowed the fifth most passing touchdowns and the most passing yards last year. So Matt Stafford, who really getting undrafted maybe in one quarterback leagues, could be a viable plug and play yeah, for the first four undrafted. weeks. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like I like so the about, sneaky about, week one DFS yeah. uh, you know combo there with Stafford and Galladay. Yeah, that could be. What about this idea? So we talked earlier. Andrew Luck is now going at a discount because so everybody's worried about him. You know, but nobody thinks he's not going to be available like October. Mm-hmm. So if he's going to miss a handful of games, you could make Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford, the last pick of your draft, and handcuff the you know put those two together, and then you know go to war. You could. There, there just could be someone enticing in the eighth round, though. That's going back to my luck blacklist call. That's why yeah. it depends. It all depends. But yeah, that, right. that's certainly a viable strategy without a doubt. My sleeper this week is another quarterback. Carson Wentz. ADP is the 10th round for Carson Wentz. We alluded to this earlier. Look at the plethora of targets available to him. Not only does he have the returning guys, Alshon Jeffries, very good. Zach Ertz, very good. A number of receiver, uh, receiving running backs who can all catch passes. We have Dallas Goddard, who has shined in the preseason and is a former first rounder or second rounder for Dallas Goddard. I don't quite recall. They add in the offseason, Deshaun Jackson for a deep ball threat that Carson Wentz has never had, even with the big arm. And then rookie J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who looks awesome so far. We need that on the sound bar next By the way, by the way, true story. You know, when you're you're teaching your kid all the animal sounds, like every parent does, right? You know, cow goes, moo, moo, right? You know, all that. A shark goes. I did that. I taught her a shark, <laughs> right? Awesome. She doesn't have any idea. But I go, shark goes, da da, da da, da da, da da, da da. You know, so she didn't know what she was doing, but yeah. I had a ton of fun with it. <laughs> the Eagles have Pro Football Focus's number one offensive line. So you know, Wentz is going to be well protected. And remember, the last time he was fully healthy, 2017, he was charging to the NFL MVP award, and at the time of his, his ACL injury, was the second-highest-scoring fantasy quarterback. Second-highest-scoring fantasy quarterback as a sophomore in the NFL. Now, another year removed from that ACL injury, it's, in, it's an incredibly promising situation for Carson Wentz, who I think has the potential to be the NFL MVP again, because I think the Eagles are going to be a fantastic team. ADP, 10th round for Carson Wentz. Are you worried at all about the back, the back injury that knocked him out last year? And 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 I find it a little worrisome that they are not playing him at all in the preseason. Like, this this is a young guy in the prime of his career, and they're already Look, this is just having what, this him sit like doing the, now. Are, they, are they so worried? The Rams, the Rams aren't going to play any hit? starters. The Raiders aren't playing their starters, for Pete's yeah. sake. I don't think that says Maybe. anything about his health or ability, to be honest. And you touched on it earlier, CP. You're trying to guess week in and week out, week out who's going to be the hot Philly receiver who's going to succeed with yeah. all of those targets. Just draft one. Just draft so one. I don't have to sweat it. I don't have to sweat it. Yeah. I, don't have to, I don't care who's catching the ball. All I know, all I got is the trigger man now. Um, we've heard Brian Johnson in previous weeks make the same the same uh, argument for Jared Goff. I don't have to guess if it's going to be Woods or Cook yeah. or Cup. Uh, yeah, or Cup. I don't have to sweat it. Got Jared Goff. You don't have to worry about it. That's part of why I love Carson Wentz. Let's talk about, so there's your three sleepers for this week. Let's talk about rushing quarterbacks. I've done a lot of a lot of analysis on the rush. It's the deepest year ever for rushing quarterbacks. Absolutely. There are so many right now, and they're so game-changing. I've identified eight returning 
quarterbacks who I qualify as a rushing quarterback. Here's kind of my criteria. They average at least 24 rushing yards per game. Half a touchdown, most leagues, point-wise. Yeah, that's a yeah. passing touchdown. Yeah, pass touchdown, yeah. right? Um, or your Dak Prescott, who got 19 rushing yards per game, but also ran in six touchdowns. So I'm lumping him in there, too. Um, and I'm throwing out Blake Bortles. That gives me my eight guys who are now Dak Prescott, who I mentioned, Russell Wilson, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton, Josh Allen, and then, by a huge margin, Lamar Jackson, who's off the charts on the rush. I'm numbers. a little surprised Mariota made that list. I, I didn't realize too. he rushed yeah, that much. I didn't either, but uh, he was uh, he was in the he was in the ballpark for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rookie class adds another guy for sure, Kyler Murray, absolutely in right, potentially on a Lamar Jackson like level. Correct. Murray. Yes, he's on a Vic Jackson like mm-hmm. potential for his rushing ability. So that gives us nine. Now I got nine rushing quarterbacks in here. And, and you know what? Let's throw out Mariota because I don't even want him. I think oh. he's the first quarterback to get benched. Let's go back to eight. Eight rushing quarterbacks in your draft. Why does rushing matter? Those eight players last year, none of them ranked lower than 14th in fantasy points per game. None hmm. of the eight ranked lower than 14th. Yet in average draft position today, five of them are more than 14. And as a group, their average rank in fantasy points last year was eight as a group. Those eight guys, they averaged QB eight. This year, on average, they're going at QB 14 in drafts right now. So there's so much value in these rushing quarterbacks, and people aren't recognizing it. And we're here to talk about that delta that people are missing between the the production we had last year and where they're being drafted now. Well, thank you. obviously, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, Allen pump up those numbers for the rushing quarterbacks. Those guys didn't see significant playing time until the second half of the season, too. Yes. So imagine that a full yeah, right. season, full it would season, be like... Right? Absolutely. Uh, from some examples of, of great value coming for these players, Lamar Jackson right now is QB 15. Dak Prescott is QB 18. Mitch Trubisky is QB 20. And Josh Allen is QB 23 off the board right now in average draft position. You know, pure passing quarterbacks need to have superhuman performances to equal what a top rushing quarterback will give you when they run just reasonably well. That's it. You know, Mahomes can give you those superhuman efforts, but most guys can't. Let's take a look at it. And here's why. Let's say your quarterback runs for 40 rushing yards. It's a reasonable amount. It wouldn't shock anybody, right? In most leagues, that's the equivalent of 120 passing yards, a multiple of three passing yards. That means those 40 rushing yards would turn a 220-yard passing day into a 340-yard passing day with the rushing numbers. As an example, so your rushing quarterback, you know, pick a guy, Dak Prescott, if he runs for 40 and he throws for 220, that's the equivalent of 340 passing yards. And that's a great day by any measure. A rushing touchdown's worth one and a half passing touchdowns in most scoring systems, roughly. So that means your forgettable one passing touchdown game turns into a nearly three or one passing or one rushing touch. Your forgettable one passing touchdown game turns into a nearly three passing touchdown game if you also have a rushing touchdown. A one passing game plus a one rushing game. So you roll all that together and you just got freaky upside. Freaky upside. Now the downside with the rushing quarterbacks. If they don't run, they don't rush for the they're, 40 yards. They're inconsistent. Now you're in trouble, yeah. right? So if you get the 220-yard passing game and the one touchdown pass and they don't run in it and anything meaningful, 
Now you've got the and, bad guy. And part of the problem is it's very hard to predict that. So mm-hmm. I, I say this as a longtime owner of Cam Newton yes. over many, many years. Like yes. you can't you can't get into a situation where you're trying to predict it and you're benching them or starting them based on matchups because you never know when they're going to go off for two rushing touchdowns. Right, right. And so you have to you have to be willing to just kind of stick them in your lineup and take take the good with the bad. That's right. We visited uh, revisited the freakiest upside of a rushing quarterback in Michael Vick in the game uh, when he's with the Eagles and. Washington Redskins. I'll never forget that game. Three thirty and four through the air and like eighty yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Unbelievable. Yeah. Best the best fantasy performance by I think any player ever history of fantasy was that yeah, one. It's up there. Definitely. Now here's one of the strategies I love in two quarterback leagues or QB flex leagues, you draft two rushing quarterbacks. We talked about how you can get Lamar Jackson late and Mitch Trubisky and Dak Prescott and Josh Allen late. You put two of them in knowing that the likelihood that they both flop in the same week is very low. And what they both give you the freaky upside. So what do you think mm-hmm. of that? What do you think of that strategy in QB flex where you take two of the rushing quarterbacks, you don't have to spend a yeah, high draft I think, pick I think on you're it. you're mitigating your risk a little bit there, a lot. and so you're you're more likely to go into a season where you have you have multiple of these sort of up and down risky rushing yeah. quarterbacks because you can just play them both all the time. You can play them both. That's the uh, that's the beauty of it. You don't have to guess if this is going to be the game where Josh Allen, you know, ends up scrambling out of a pocket and running downfield for 40, 50 yards. And by not. the way, to your earlier point about Mahomes, it's kind of fun to have Lamar Jackson and. It, and know really that is. he might break a 50-yard touchdown run at, a, at any moment in time. That's a great point. A great point. Um, if you love this show, go to fanball.com slash charge for my free cheat sheet, my free $5,000 week one contest, guillotine leads, podcasts, and more. And thank you for listening to Fantasy Football Weekly. We are here every weekend, both on the air and via podcast. We especially recommend that you listen via the iHeart app. It's number one for podcasts for a very good reason. And many thanks to everyone who takes the time to rank and review the show on your podcasting platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Fantasy Football Weekly. Talk to you next week, everybody. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. 